Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Tonight, the title of this message, I'm going to get straight into it, is called What is in Your Bones? What is in your bones? And I've got a little friend with me tonight. Hello. Hi. This time, it's not a prop of Johnny. I've got Mr. Skinny Bones here tonight. I can see right through him. I've got to know him very well. I'm gonna share a few insights that I've discovered about some skinny bones tonight, about some dry bones tonight, and uh, I think we'll have some fun tonight. But I wanna start in the passage of scripture found in 2 Kings tonight, 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 20. Here we have the prophet Elisha who has died and being buried. But in God, sometimes the story doesn't end where we think it's going to end. So let's have a look at what happens. Says in verse 20, Elisha died and was buried. Full stop? Turns out it's not. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Here we see this amazing moment in this passage where there's this guy who have got this dead body, they're on the run, they're in a hurry, they've got men chasing them and they're like, oh, let's quick, let's dispose of this dead guy, this dead weight, he's no use to us anymore, let's get rid of him. So they throw him in the tomb. But then, surprise, <laughs> they get the fright of their life and it's not even fright night. It's just not a, he comes back from the dead. Hey guys, here I am, you thought I was dead, but here I am. What a surprise, what a fright. What happened? How did this happen? How did this person who was dead suddenly come back to life? He was put in the tomb of Elisha and Elisha's bones were in the tomb. The first thing we need to know tonight is that what we are putting in us will one day come out from us. See these, my friends, were no ordinary bones. These bones had a residual anointing trapped inside of them. These bones had something of the presence of God still so tangibly inside them that when a dead body touched them, it revived what was death and brought it back to life. See, there was still life locked up in those bones. There had been such a rich deposit of God into the life of Elisha that even though he was dead, he lived on. Oh, are you starting to get this tonight? I think some of us in this room, we're coming to understand that we've put a deposit in the ground into the Arise Center and it's gonna live on after we're long gone. So even though when we're dead and gone, somebody's gonna come to the Arise Center and their life is gonna be revived. They're gonna have a revival in their bones because you, my friend, left a deposit that was buried and dead, you thought, but oh, my friend, sometimes when we think something has ended, God says, it's just begun. This story in Kings tonight is both literal, there was a dead body that came back to life, 
and symbolic. God wants to put something tonight into the very core of who you are, into the very being of who you are, into your bones. God wants something powerful to reside in your life, that it will keep coming out of your life, that there will be an overflow of His presence, of His person, so tangible in you, that we start to overflow and touch the world around us because of what's inside of us. Elisha, the bones of Elisha show us that there is something powerful that God wants to put in our bones. So then we have to ask the question, what's so special about Elisha? Who was Elisha? How did something get in his bones so that when a dead body touched him, it jumps back to life? I don't know what he did, but I wanna do what he did. I want that kind of life in my bones and they don't wanna cremate me. They wanna keep my bones around because something could still happen, literally, symbolically, amen? And so let's have a look at Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. He spoke for God. He spoke things that God revealed to him. But he was more than someone who just did miracles. He followed after Elijah. We understand that he was a servant to Elijah. He took on the nature of a servant serving another person's vision. There is greatness found in the person who chooses to serve. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. See, the price that Elisha paid to get the presence of God in his bones, it started by serving another man's vision. By laying down what he had or what he cared about, he was able to gain a double portion of the anointing of God in his life. The other thing we see about Elisha was that he was moved with a heart of compassion. There was a widow who came up to Elisha and she says to him, Elisha, I'm in debt. I've got no money. There's a famine. I'm going to have to sell my sons into slavery to survive. What am I going to do? I, I can't do anything. I, I'm going to lose my two sons, the apples of my eye. We're all going to have to become slaves. You know what the Bible says? Elisha was moved by his situation. He didn't do miracles for miracles' sake. He wasn't going around trying to be a big man, trying to big note himself. He wasn't trying to show off the power of God. It wasn't like he set out to do miracles, but a very real compassion for the circumstances that people face touched his heart. He saw a woman in need, and he was deeply moved, deeply moved. And he said to her, what's in your house? What's in your house? She says, I have but a little bit of oil. He says, go and get some jars. Go and get some jars. So she says, go to the boys. Go, boys, let's gather some jars. The prophet has said, get the jars. Then Elisha says, keep pouring the oil. Pour the oil into the jars. She begins to pour. The oil does not run out until the jars do. See, this wasn't just a miracle of the overflow of God at work in their lives. This was a miracle of the Father heart of God towards them, a heart of love, of concern for the circumstance that they were in. This is the price this man paid that was resident within his bones. This was the anointing in his bones. It was an anointing of a genuine love for people, a genuine compassion with the situations they found themselves in. 
See, this was no Elijah who would call down fire and burn people up. Elisha, quite the opposite. Every miracle that we see him carry out with the anointing of God was motivated by love for people, concern for people, compassion for people, awareness of people's circumstances and situations. See, God doesn't want us as Christians to have our holy huddles, to be singing our own little religious stories and having our own little moments separate from the needs of the world around us. Elisha was connecting with the very real face of the people that lay before him. And such left a resident anointing in his bones, a true and deep concern. I believe God wants us to have this kind of thing going on in our lives, that we would pay a price for others, that we would connect with the needs of the people around us, not ignoring them, not just having our holy happy bubble, but connecting with the real and felt needs around us. We see time and time again that Elisha connected with those needs. An ax head that floated, again, it wasn't just to be cool. It was because the ax head was borrowed. The person would end up indebted. He always worked to bring freedom and release to the people around him. He sought to do miracles. He sought a life of loving people. He wept when an evil king was put into power. He wept because he knew what that king would do. He paid a price in his secret life. He paid a price to carry that anointing deep within the core of his being. I believe that we can be people like Elisha, where our prayers, our weeping, our obedience, our compassion, and our love for God results in something that's going deep into the core of who we are. He chose to live a godly life. There was a depth of God in Elisha right down to his bones, right down to the core of who he was. So then we must talk tonight, the second thing we must talk about is what do bones signify? What do bones signify both naturally and spiritually? Because we've got to understand this to understand the significance for us. See, tonight this sermon is not so that one day your body will raise someone back to life, as cool as that would be. I mean, you might be cremated and then that would be a problem, right? That's not the point of tonight. But the point is to understand what is in your bones tonight. So bones in the human body, they are not just dead sticks, but they are vital parts of your body filled with living cells. Bones make up most of your red blood cells. Probably about 80% of your red blood cells are manufactured in your bones. And the life is in the blood. So we need our blood, don't we? Just try to live without blood. It'd be pretty hard. And your bones are making your blood. Fascinating, isn't it? Bones are naturally a place of storage. The things that our body needs, essential nutrients, such as magnesium and other essential nutrients <laughs> are stored in your bones. They go deep into your bones and when your body needs them, your body draws them out of your bones. They are naturally a place of storage for the right time that you need. Bones are also very important to the body because they serve as protection. They protect our heart, they protect our brain. Just as well, Richie McCaw had a very big skull to protect his brain. He made him a great all black 
He could handle getting knocked in the head. Bones are very important. They protect us. Think about what's happening in the natural and align it to the spiritual. What we are putting into our bones will protect us. The righteous meditate on the law of the Lord. The Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, as we get the word of God in us, we are actually protecting our heart. We're protecting our thinking. We're protecting our lives. So what the bones do naturally, they also do for us spiritually and symbolically. So in the Bible, what do bones mean? Bones are a symbol of the whole person and particularly the state of one's well-being, one's emotional health, one's physical health, one's mental health, one's spiritual health. Your whole well-being is signified in the Bible with the analogy of bones. So my friends, what is in your bones is very significant. It is the core of who you are. It is about what you are depositing in your life, the strength that you are putting into the very core of who you are. Why don't you ask someone next to you, what's going on in your bones? What's going on in your bones tonight? Hopefully nobody next to you had a funny bone. Made you laugh too hard. All right, I know. This sermon could be so puntastic. I really, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm trying to rein my brain in. Okay. When Elisha's bones touched a dead man's body, the dead man came alive and revived. Why? That's what I'm asking. Why? Because the life of God was so deeply etched in those bones, something had been stored in those bones. Maybe Elisha had been like Jeremiah and he would say that the word of the Lord is like a fire shut up in my bones. Maybe he went around saying that. So when the dead body touches him, the fire that's on the dead bones comes and hits the the body and suddenly the fire of God is raising that body back to life. I don't know about you, but is the fire of the word of the Lord shut up in your bones tonight? Do you feel like you could come alive in the very core of who you are? You know, natural bones will store things you need and release them at the right time. If we choose to pay a price to live a godly life, we will store up life that will be a blessing to others, to ourselves, and to the future that is to come. Pastor Phil Pringle, when he was preaching, he threw out this comment, which is really what originated this whole message. And he said this comment, he threw it out amongst the many great things that he often says. He said, the receipt is in your bones. The receipt is in your bones. And I started to have that phrase go over and over, over and over in my head. And I was pondering it out. And I was thinking, what's the price that I've paid? What have I been putting into my bones? What are the things that I'm doing that are going deep within my life that will impact others. You know, let's break it down tonight. When we go to the shops, we go to buy things. Maybe this week you went and bought something new. Perhaps you didn't because you gave in the expansion offering. (laughs) But when we go to the shops and we purchase something that we didn't have before, we pay for it. We spend money, we purchase that item, and that item now belongs to us. It is legally ours, and we have the proof of purchase. We have the receipt. So we then take what we have spent 
something on, what we have purchased, we take that thing and we take the receipt and it now belongs to us. The same is true with what we are spending our life on. What we choose to invest in, what we choose to spend our lives on, a transaction is taking place. And whether we are aware of it or not, it's still happening. Now, my friends, what you are spending your time and your energy and your life on, you are getting a receipt for, and the receipt is in your bones. The receipt is getting stored up for when you need it to be released at the time that either you or those around you need that miracle power to come forth. The receipt is in your bones. If bones are symbolic of our state of being and our well-being, then we need to make some choices about what we're gonna spend our time on, what we're gonna put into the very core of our lives. And this is where Mr. Bones comes in tonight. He's gonna help us to illustrate this point that we're gonna choose some things to spend money on. Okay, I've got some receipts up here. I've been shopping, actually it's not me, darling, don't worry, I didn't go shopping, it was an expansion offering. I didn't buy this much stuff. Up here I have a whole pile of receipts, it wasn't me, okay? Um, I'm a contented person. All right, we've been shopping here at Platypus and Cotton On and Farmers and The Warehouse, Freedom Furniture, been doing a bit of shopping up here. Got a lot of receipts. But here we go, this is the first receipt, one of the most important receipts and transactions that we can make. Elisha was a man of prayer. See, the anointing was so resident in his bones because he had been a person of prayer. My friends, what are we storing up? in the core of who we are because of the prayers that we are praying. The Bible says in Matthew 21, whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive. Whatever you ask for, you will receive. So I've got that receipt in my bones. Tonight we prayed and maybe tonight you'll go home and you'll pray and you'll start to store up something in your bones. What about offerings? Did someone give last week a pretty big offering? <gasps> yep, felt that one. Might have heard a little bit to give that one, but I'm trusting in God. And Malachi 3 says, this is the receipt for your transaction, my friends. I will open the windows of heaven for you. Hello, hello. Oh, that receipt is in my bones. God's gonna open the windows of heaven because I gave, because I stored these things up. What about reading the Bible? That's gonna put some good things. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, just as when we eat in the natural, we put nutrients in our bones. When we eat the word of God, we're putting life into our bones. We're putting health into the structure of our bones. We're putting protection, a hedge of protection. Those who are meditating on the law of the Lord, the Bible says, they will prosper, Psalm 1. Meditate on the law of the Lord and prosper is your receipt. See, the receipt is already in your bones. The transaction is already taking place. Gifts to the poor. Those who give to the poor lend to the Lord and He will reward them. See, you thought maybe I'll just give to World Vision. It's a good thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. It's the right thing to do. My friends, it's more than that. It's a transaction that you have now got the receipt in your bones. It says, the Lord will reward you. 
There's a reward on the way because the receipt is in your bones. What about good deeds? Maybe you did some good deeds. Well, that's good because fine linen, bright and clean, was given the bride to wear. And it's very important that we're making sure we're getting that receipt in our bones. Service to others. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. Maybe you're serving others with your hands. Or maybe tonight you're bending down low enough to wash the feet of others. Maybe your service is unseen and lowly and humble, but yet the receipt will be in your bones. John said this morning, it doesn't matter what you do in secret. God sees all God rewards and the receipt is in your bones. Serving God, Ephesians 5, Christ gave his life for the church. He gave his life in service for the church. And we think it's hard to get up in the morning and come at 9.30. He gave himself for the church. Let's get that receipt in our bones. Let's know that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's have that receipt at work in our bones. Loving others when it hurts. It's fulfilling Christ's most important command that we would love others no matter what. Jesus went to the cross for that very reason, that we would know His love and love others. What about forgiveness? Are we willing to have that receipt? We're willing to receive it. Christ said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Perhaps in the hurts and the offenses that have come in your life that have cut you to the bone, perhaps even those hurts that feel so deep, we still have to make a choice to let the receipt, the transaction of forgiveness take place. When we feel like it or not, we do it because we are people who choose to get the anointing and the presence of God in our life. We wanna keep His forgiveness, so we must choose to forgive as Christ forgave us. Perhaps also like Paul, we're gonna learn that we're gonna let things go, that if we're gonna move forward because bones give us movement, I'd have loved to see the dancers do the dance tonight without bones. couldn't really move without bones. It's very important that in the very core of who you are, let go of things so that you can move forward, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Let that be the thing that's vibrating and giving your bones life. Trusting in God. Proverbs 3, 7 says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Strength for your bones when you're trusting God. Will you put Him first rather than your own thinking? What about this is very important, encouragement. We have to learn to encourage ourselves as much as we're busy encouraging others. We have to learn to encourage ourselves. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones to the very core of who you are, the very important thing of encouragement. It will give health and life and put strength into a person. What about this fasting? Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is a receipt. And trust me, when you're fasting, your bones will know it. There will be aching in dim bones, yeah? <laughs> so you will know that receipt, you will feel it. Trust me, you will feel that receipt. And this is a very important receipt tonight. 
This is perhaps the most vital of all, I think, that we get in our bones. This is the one we need the most and the one that we are called to give away. This is the receipt we must have in us because we must give it away. Hope, hope is so vital. Proverbs 15.30 says, good news, good news. What's the ultimate good news? The gospel. Good news gives health to the bones. See, as we give the good news to our nation, as we give the good news to our life group, as we give the good news to the Wellington region, we will see that there is health in the bones, that as we surround a community with function, dysfunction will go because hope is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It will secure this region in the love and hope of Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, are there some receipts that you're willing to pay a price for to store up good things in your bones? That these bones could live, that these bones could speak, that these bones could have flesh come on them, that these bones could rise up. Would we be willing to be people that store some things in our bones? Oh, amen. <laughs> God promises that if we claim and hold to and see with faith that these receipts can make a difference, what we carry in our bones. Maybe some of us tonight, we need to do an audit. I'm not gonna have time to go into the bad things that can be in our bones, but I'll give you a couple, huh? Just as an example, envy. Proverbs 14, a heart at peace gives life to the body, envy rots the bones. <laughs> yep. Don't want that one near your heart, do you? See, what is envy? Wanting what someone else has, but are you willing to do what they did to get it? See, whatever someone has, they paid a price to get it. They put some effort in to get that, and envy's not gonna get it to you. You've gotta pay the price they did. What about lying? Wow, better be careful with his mouth, I got told. All right, don't fall apart. <laughs> Don't be a liar. You know where liars go, right? <laughs> Enough said. Withhold. Oh, you know, I think that in this church, we've got a lot of people in this category. Oh, give yourself some thanksgiving and praise because you just gave like so much, it's ridiculous. But if we hadn't, do you know what happens if you withhold? The receipt, it's not good. He who withholds comes to poverty. Ooh, don't want that transaction in my bones. <laughs> There's some more bitterness, unforgiveness, passivity. Okay, just quickly, don't be a lazy bones, okay? Don't be a lazy bones tonight. Get those bones moving. Do something for God. What about this one? This is actually very important. We can spend so much time with fear. Job 4.14, fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. But God says that with Him in our lives, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. My friends, don't be a scaredy bones. We've got the Spirit of the Lord in us to give us courage and confidence and strength. Speak life into our bones. Let's get the right receipt. Let the Spirit of the Lord come alive in your life tonight. Let it come alive. Point number four tonight. 
Will we speak life to the bones? And if the band can come up, will we speak life to the bones? Running out of time, and I'm just gonna give a couple more thoughts. We choose not only to put things in our bones, but when the time is right, these things are passed on. Whatever has come inside us, we can then pass on. See, what was in Elisha's bones still there wasn't just for him. It was passed on. This is a big one. We can put this in the bones of others. Oh, Rice Church, we could be the most encouraging place on earth. The most encouraging place on earth. That nobody does anything bad here. That everybody is amazing. That everybody is wonderful. That we look for the gold. Letting this be a place where we're pinning that receipt. We've got it in us and we're pinning it on everybody around us. We can put this receipt on the bones of somebody else. Love, service, hope, all these receipts, we can take what we've already paid a price for and we can pay it forward. We can pay it forward tonight and take what we have and pass it on. Elisha was willing to speak life to the bones of others. He spoke to a widow and he said, go and get some jars. He spoke to a widow and he said, you will have a son. He spoke to Naaman and he said, go and dump, dip, dip yourself in the river. He spoke life to others. He also spoke life to a nation. He said to a king, strike the arrow on the ground. He said, I see the cloud the size of a man's fist. He spoke to a nation about what God wanted to do. See, when this dead body in the tomb revived, what it was doing was reminding everybody that Elisha's prophecies about the nation we're still going to come to pass. See, this wasn't just about one person coming back to life. This was about reminding a nation that what Elisha had prophesied was going to happen. So you can speak to a nation now and it's still gonna happen a hundred years from now. Oh my friends, the things we're doing today will impact generations, generations to come. It's gonna be dominoes, boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah. Hut campus is just the beginning of what God has got. Will we speak life to the bones? The last thing tonight, my last point is whatever is broken, He makes strong. Whatever is broken. See, we get cut to the bone by life. We can get overcome by problems. We can feel empty. We can be broken in different things that take place in our lives. But Jesus is our unbroken strength. How do I know that tonight? Because of what happened on the cross. Very interestingly, Moses says to the Israelites, when the Passover happens and there's the Passover lamb, in Exodus chapter 12, he says, do not break any of the bones of the lamb. Well, I mean, hello, his neck's getting cut. He's getting sliced apart so his blood can go on the doorpost. What does a broken bone matter? Lambie, bye Lambie. <laughs> Just don't break a bone. And then, I don't know about you, but I'm confused. If he's gonna die, why does it matter? It matters because Jesus came as our Passover lamb. He came as our sacrificial lamb. And John chapter 19 brings this all together for me and for hopefully for us tonight. In John chapter 19, I wanna read out to you what happened at the crucifixion. It says this. It was the day of preparation. 
And the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath, because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken and their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. Verse 36, these things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. See, Christ was completely broken for me. He was completely battered for you and I. Not one part of His suffering was spared. He died the worst death possibly known to man, crucifixion. His body bruised and beaten beyond recognition, a crown of thorns, mocked, humiliated, stripped, crushed physically to the point of death. He bled tears, He wept, he wept blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. His suffering was on a scale we cannot comprehend, and yet not one bone was broken. This is our Christ that we come to. This is the promise of the hope that we have, that everything that is broken, He makes whole, that everything that was lost, He will restore, that whatever we have not done, He can do for us because He is our unbroken strength. His bones for us, unbroken strength. You see, Christ came to the cross, the nails through His bones, the nails through His bones, but not one bone broken, so that we would know unbroken strength. My friends, life might have cut you to the core. Things might have been difficult, or maybe tonight you simply feel an emptiness. Christ is your unbroken strength. But notice also what we see about Christ is that His side was pierced. His side was pierced. You see, I've got to tell you one last thing. There was a man by the name of Adam. He was the original man, Adam. Jesus Christ is the second Adam. This first Adam, Eve, came from His side. See, when Eve was made, God didn't make her out of dust. Adam was made out of dust. But God says, no, Eve, I'm gonna make from bone. I'm gonna make her from the rib bone of a man. He takes the rib bone, showing that for Adam, his wife, his marriage partner, was close to his heart and under his arm, not in his, over his head to dominate, not under his feet to be servitude, but close and intimate and loved. And when Adam saw Eve, he's like, whoa, man. He's like, she's fine. He's like, oh yeah, God, you did something good. He's like, she's good. And I love Levi, he says, she's tasty ribs. <laughs> See, Adam, the first Adam, he had some blood in his side so he could get his bride. Jesus Christ 
is the second Adam. And he was willing to bleed to get his bride, which is you and me. We are his bride to be under his arm, close to his heart, an intimate relationship that when Christ looks at you, when Christ looks at me, he goes, wow, you're amazing. Wow, you're fine. Wow, you're something special. Oh my goodness, I'm in love with you. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillian Cameron and at Arise Church.